Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The season two premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here back with, for the first time, weekly coverage of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That's right. We are going to be here talking every week about one of the newest live action Star Trek series that really cut a swath in pop culture last year in 2022 and is back once again for a second season. Now, usually I'll be joined every week by Jessica Lees, my co-pilot on all things Star Trek. Unfortunately, this week, um, much like Captain Pike, she's a bit waylaid across the quadrant. Let's see if there's any secretive contacts that she is meeting with. But in her place, the veritable Spock to help co-captain this particular podcast with is someone who is very logical, but does have a lot of room in her heart, much like we discovered about the famous Vulcan in this episode. She is someone who helped bring me into Star Trek and is one of the biggest Star Trek fans I know out there. It is, of course, my lovely wife, my Chadich, my Imzadi, the great Angela Bloom. Hey, 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 hey. How are you? I'm well-ish. Were you workshopping your greeting just like they were workshopping Spock's thing to say when he makes the ship <laughs> no. go? You know, I probably should have been, but no, I wasn't. Um, That's okay. I think that, Otega said you have to like let it fly, right? It has to be I natural. I also think that that would be me if somebody were to be like, what's your thing? What do you say? I would be Spock. I'd be like, uh, just just go. Like, <laughs> Let's not do that. The more attention you draw to it, I think yeah, the worse it exactly. ends up being, right? Well, a lot of attention was drawn to the season two premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Before we get into the episode proper, I think it makes sense because I did do a couple of podcasts during Strange New Worlds season one, a couple of check-ins, but there are probably a lot of people out there, understandably so, that are looking at their podcast feed saying, wait, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is back. And so we'll spend the first part of this podcast Briefly describing what the show is, Mm -hmm. talking about why we enjoy it so much because it is so freaking good. That's one reason why we upgraded to covering this on a weekly basis. We had the Commander Pelia of Post Show Recaps walk through, make some improvements to our UI. So now we are (laughs) ready to cover it on the reg. I guess to start, Strange New Worlds had a bit of a strange origin in that Anson Mounds, Captain Pike had appeared on Star Trek Discovery Season 2 alongside yes. Ethan Peck, Spock, and like a skosh of Rebecca Romaine's number one, obviously bringing about new versions of characters that were introduced in 
the original series, particularly in the pilot episode. But there was so much acclaim around particularly Mount and Peck's performances that there was a groundswell movement or space swell movement, I suppose, to say, okay, we want a Pike spinoff series to happen. And lo and behold, so, you know, studio executives actually listen to the fans. Uh, I mean, listen, Star Trek has always kind of been built upon its fandom back in the days with Lucille Ball keeping it on the air in the 60s. And they decided to produce Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is technically a prequel to the original series, much like the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery, and revolves around Pike's tenure as captain of the Enterprise. Now, Angela, you and I got to watch this show together every week. As I mentioned before, you are such a devoted Trekkie. What were your thoughts about Strange New Worlds as you were watching it through its 10-episode first season? Yeah, I was going to say first season. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think that with... Captain Pike in in general, like you get this kind of uh, lighter, more fun version of uh, Star Trek than we have been getting in the past few years, which Mm. was like with Discovery and even with Picard, like much more dramatic, much more like typical television these days, whereas this has maybe echoed back to the original series, which, um, you know, watching it now, you can kind of say... Like you laugh at a lot of it because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, there's literally um, the halfway point of season one is a body swap episode between Spock and his fiance. Correct. Yeah. So I think it's like, you know, with stuff like that, I feel like it, it is like much more light and fun. And I think that's something that I really enjoyed about it. And I think that, you know, there were aspects of it that were, you know, interesting as well, because, you know, you're kind of always waiting for what are they going to call back to today? Like, mm-hmm. what's the what's the Easter egg that I need to find? And that's it's always fun to do that. Yeah, I completely agree on both of those counts. I mean, you are someone who I, I don't want to put words too much in your mouth. I wouldn't say that TOS is your favorite, but I feel like it's the one that was probably on the most. Yeah, in your household for sure. Up. For sure. My mom to this day says that she put on TOS for every child that she had which was three of us well from when we were babies because it was so colorful she was mm-hmm. like oh i just put put on star trek and they would just like stare at the tv and I'm like that's why i am the way i am yeah those bright um, 60s uniforms again um they would not be a fan <laughs> of if you put a baby in front of star trek discovery for many reasons it would be inappropriate yes. they don't like the drab blue right uniforms. right but no i i think that it was the thing that was on most in our house because it was something that they owned you know dvds of when dvds came out and vhs of before that and it's it you know you could watch it on television but my mom and my brother specifically were very very into it and so um yeah it was something that just like uh, through osmosis i absorbed most of it yeah exactly so it's it's fun to sort of have a pastiche of the past while still containing obviously a lot of like Modern storytelling tropes, uh, the diversity on the ensemble in particular is something that was a big highlight even back in the days that Star Trek TOS premiered, but is highlighted even more so in this series. But also, I think one of the things that was really nice to experience, and hopefully will continue to do so, is the idea of, and it's odd to say, but it's it's rarefied in today's modern TV culture, especially episodic storytelling. There certainly were recurring things you know elements carry over we see that even in this episode that plot points from the previous season do play through 
But this is very evocative of, you know, the first five major series of Star Trek where there is basically a different adventure every week. And not to say that, you know, one is necessarily better than the other. I was really a big fan of the serialized Star Trek storytelling. But it's just different. It's definitely different. And I think one of the pitfalls you sometimes see is that, like, when you have to plan for this big mystery or this overarching plot, it can be difficult to see that out even across like 13 episodes. Here, it's essentially like 10 different stories, which I imagine is much easier to break. I think what also helps is that due to that episodic storytelling, it really does feel like every episode focuses on a new character within the ensemble, which is another thing I really love about Star Trek Strange New World is that this is just such, even from the beginning, like a fully realized crew, uh, you know, even looking at the episodes from season one, episode one is sort of like its own thing. It's an introduction, but like episode two is an Uhura episode. Yeah. Episode three is a number one episode. Episode four is a La'an episode. Episode five is a Spock episode, et cetera, et cetera. They really, I think, took the time, with the exception of poor Ortegas, who has yet to have uh, (laughs) an eccentric episode, but is still very fun to have alongside there, to really take the time to, like, build out its crew in a manner of speaking that, yes, we came there for Pike, for Spock, but oftentimes, and is indicative in this very episode, where Pike is going to be missing for the vast majority of it. Right, it which is, is able to interesting. Build a, it's able to build a bedrock of an ensemble of really interesting characters that we both know and didn't know before this series. Yeah, so it's like we got to learn who everybody was, got a good introduction, and then now we don't need that going into season two because we can, so we can just jump right back in, which I did feel like was helpful uh, in a way, but I... I, it's been so long since right. we saw season one that I did take me a little bit to be like, wait, who's that again? What's her deal? Like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's been basically a year. Uh, Star yeah. Trek Strange New World season one concluded on July 7th, 2022. And it's been only a year, but it's been a year, especially with a glut of television like we uh, have experienced, may not be in the foreseeable future, right. at least, uh, might be experiencing a shortage on the level of dilithium that uh, these Federation and Klingon vessels were dealing with in this episode. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that it was nice. I've been rewatching season one just to, like, get reaccustomed to everything and just be reminded about how much I love about this series. To me, this episode was no different. I think, honestly, the only pain point I have is not enough Pike. I Yeah, he was I to- like, bye. <laughs> I mean, I totally co-sign what you said before, that Anson Mount is so freaking yeah. good. And he's engaging, and he draws engaging. you in. and in- Exactly. And he draws you in, and I think in a way that is, um, you know, a very cohesive to the storyline you know it's not like it doesn't stand out but he's he's captain pike and he's just like uh i gotta go for three days bye yeah it's so interesting (laughs) because i think i read an interview where like anson mount talks about in particular the creators wanted to approach pike in a way that was against a bit of like the hyper machismo that we're used to from kirk and even some of our other latter-day captains like your picards like your cisco's and so i do think that pike has a little bit of like a softer touch to everything one of the first times we see him he's like cooking up a storm so chill he's whipping up a breakfast for his crew members and so uh, it's a really like admirable feat for this guy but he can also be hard lines and it's it's not that he's without faults i mean obviously one of the big things that he does carry forward from star trek discovery is the fact that 
He saw his future on that planet with the time crystals. He knows mm-hmm. he's going to end up in the beep boop chair. And so he, you know, spent a lot of season one dealing with that, this idea of fate, of destiny. Do you try to avoid it if it's in the pursuit of saving a bunch of cadets? You know, it's a real trolley problem situation culminating in the season one finale, which was right. so well done. What you talk about, like the callback of all callbacks, they yes. essentially <laughs> do a redo of Balance of Terror, but with Pike in the captain's chair instead of Kirk. Exactly. And I think that that was probably the most fun of the episodes that we saw last season and in that regard where you're like really living through the TOS lens. But um, no, I agree. I think that he him missing from this was challenging in some Mm -hmm. ways but I also did find it nice to follow along with some of the other characters that maybe in previous episodes were not as um they had their own episodes but they weren't working together and now it's very cohesive so also we see Spock in the captain's chair which is fun yeah it is really fun I mean I'll admit I was someone who was not certainly on the level of some Star Trek fans, but when we heard that, like, you know, Ethan Peck was coming out as Spock in season two of Discovery, I was like, uh, what are we doing? Leonard Nimoy, let's not, you know, have him fall in his <laughs> recently dug grave, but, like... No, he does I, a great job. Yeah, I thought he was good on Star Trek Discovery, but he really won me over in Strange New Worlds. His, yes. like, his sense of both comedy and drama, especially in a very different version of Spock that we're currently getting, where, if you remember, at the end of last season, in the, like alien episode with the Gorn essentially where they're trying Mm -hmm. to like hunt down the Gorn inside of this rabid ship. He decides to take down his emotional barriers that he typically puts up as a half Vulcan to access his Hulk strength. Essentially. <laughs> yeah, and now he can't put them back up, so that's exciting as well. I'm assuming for he's Ethan like Peck. he's like somebody that went into a therapy session and and opened up but so much that they couldn't stop crying, and now he's just walking around <laughs> with tears pouring out of his eyes. Not too, uh, but very, actually, <laughs> very on the nose. We see a lot of uh, Spock with wet eyes over the course. Yeah, of he's this just like episode. he's like very uh, hormonal. He can't he can't help himself. Well, uh, if you want can't help yourself when it comes to Star Trek podcasts, I'll plug this at the very top of our seasonal coverage here. Postshowrecaps.com slash Star Trek. A new season means you'll get podcasts in your feed every week with myself and Jess and some guests like Angela along the way, usually happening on Thursdays. Again, postshowrecaps.com slash Star Trek. Now let's move forward with the episode proper. So you alluded to this a bit earlier, Angela, but what did you think overall about The Broken Circle as a premiere? Um... It was okay. <laughs> I I found myself very like bored halfway through it. I was just feeling like, okay, what's happening? Like, where are we going with this? You know, I feel like it started out fairly strong, um, but yeah, the, they steal the Enterprise. How yeah, did, they steal how the Enterprise. Not like that, right? That's what I mean. Like, it was very like, okay, here we go, and then all of a sudden, it was like <laughs> a lot of um, planning and a lot of we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and I just felt like it was it kind of dragged on a little bit, but it was okay. I enjoyed it. I think, especially on the second watch, I got more of an appreciation for it. I do think there's an extended part in the middle where it's just Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel yeah. like, doing John Wick fighting while right. they're hulked out through uh, you know, what turns out to be a stolen Federation ship that I think was like the entirety of the third act that I was a little bit like, eh, okay. But 
this brought me right back into what I love about the show between the banter with the ensemble, between right. getting to see, to your point, yes, Pike is gone, but Spock gets the chance to rise in many ways and show different sides of himself, whether he wants to or not. I thought it was a good way to settle things in. Yeah. I would have liked for some more hijinks, perhaps, but I think it was a solid way to start the season. Yeah, and I think there was a part where in the beginning I was a little concerned that this... um distress call from La'an was going to be something and we didn't see La'an I was like uh, are we not going to see her because that would be really annoying to me and then that didn't that was fine but I think yeah you're right it's it's something that there was a part in the bit in the middle and it lost me but it does bring you back at the end all right well let's go back to the beginning here as we are at a familiar site Starbase one which is where we start the season they don't talk about I believe how many months or what amount of time has passed since the end of season one i know i probably have to compare star dates from the captain's log because we know that uhura is going to get an off-screen yeah. promotion from cadet to ensign and i'd I, say like couple months maybe yeah i mean it's enough time for three to six months enough is my time guess. for laon to be away <laughs> underground for quite some time and as you know, the Enterprise is docked and everyone's enjoying their time before the next year of their five-year mission, we find out that Chief Fleet Inspector Commander Pelia and her team from Operational Support Services are running inspections and upgrades on the Enterprise, which... This is, is like a thing. This is like they always do this yes. in every Star Trek series, every episode we've... Like, in every beginning of a Star Trek series, they like star trek next gen it was the same thing they would always be like running maintenance on the start on the ship and then they would steal the ship like yeah. this is like a classic star trek thing but it's surprising to me because wasn't the big thing with uh pike the plot hole that they sort of cemented over in discovery like well he hates holograms so we're not going to use yes. those on yeah on the enterprise like i'm surprised he would want to upgrade to the newest os I mean, I, maybe it's a, he has no choice with that. I mean, that's like it, they all connect to each other. So he's got to he's got to do he doesn't have control over everything. Well, speaking of Pike, he's trying to maintain control over a pretty big part of his life and the series as a whole. As if you remember, season one ended with Unich and Riley, played by Rebecca Romaine, getting taken in by Starfleet because Arrested. It, was it was revealed early on that she was an Illyrian, that she was a genetically modified individual right which if you've watched enterprise or you know everything around the eugenics wars at this point in starfleet history is a big no-no and pike yeah. is trying to do everything within his power to try to spring her this is going to be the only pike scene really of the entire episode and number one as well as pike is going to refuse to essentially let her go he says the loss to enterprise would be unimaginable to me we're gonna find a way to win because it's right. And as you mentioned before, he's yeah. going to go take off for three days to the other side of the quadrant to meet with somebody that he feels will help spring Una. I guess the question is, Angela, I know I lauded the episodic over serialized quality of this. Do you think there's a chance next week we see sort of like the other side of Pike's two and a half, three day maybe? adventure to see? I don't know. Is? Cause it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like anything will come of it. So maybe, but my my gut says no, but I don't know, maybe. Well, let's check in with Spock here, who has now made acting captain of the Enterprise at the exact moment he doesn't want to be. This is where he's like, this is really bad timing for my cycle. The fact that I am this unhappy about this shows what the problem is, which is that I'm unhappy. Yeah, is that I'm not just acting completely emotionless, calm and logical. This is where Mbenga 
reminds us of what I mentioned before, that the cognitive blocks are down. And so much like what has been levied towards certain presidential candidates, Spock might be too emotional for the job. <laughs> right. And and then Pike's like also BT dubs. We don't have a chief engineer. We don't yeah, have a chief dead. security. She gone. Uh, so best of luck. Um, take it easy. Yeah, <laughs> like, remember, they're just hanging out, waiting for the car. Right. In up. Pike's mind, they wouldn't even need to leave space dock. Like yeah. they wouldn't need to go anywhere. They would just be able to, um, you know, get in and get out. Like he'll, he'll be gone for three days and everything will be fine. He'll come back and then they'll, then they'll go out on their missions. But of course that doesn't happen. Of course. And no one can truly stay in space dock forever. And so, uh, perhaps speaking of docking in a very different way, Spock's vitals are going to get brought down briefly when Manga introduces the concept of music, but they peek back up when Nurse Chapel walks in. <laughs> what have been your thoughts about one of the main recurring threads in Strange New Worlds, which is kind of like the kindling of something between Spock and Chapel? I mean, I love it. You do? I just think they I think they have good chemistry, the actors, so I don't mind it. I think when they when actors don't have that chemistry and then they're still forcing it and it's on top of and it not being maybe necessary, but I don't mind it. I also think we're also be getting that in Star Trek. I guess that's true. I guess and it's not over the top. But like, no. I mean, I would say that it's become a bit more heavy-handed as of late, you know, when he's giving her CPR being like, you will not die. I waited for you. Like, that's a little too notebooky for me. Mm. I liked it when it was first introduced back, rude. In, back in that. First of all, rude. <laughs> back in How that. dare you? Well, also, they wouldn't be able to have a notebook ending because Vulcans live much longer than humans do. So that would just be an Again, rude. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was thinking back to like Spock Amok when this idea first gets introduced. And like, yeah. I thought it was very naturally done. I feel like it might be a smidge heavy-handed, but I'm not... I didn't notice it. I, I'm, I'm not too terribly mad at it. I feel worse for T'Pring. Like, it'd be one thing if they presented yeah. Spock's fiance as, like, this absolute shrew of a Vulcan woman. No, she was great. But, like, no, she's great. She's, she's really good. They're really compatible for each other. You could understand why they're engaged to be married, but you, only, you know that that's going to get broken off yeah, at some point. Yeah, for sure. I also think it's the part that got to me a little bit more than like the Nurse Chapel stuff was like, oh, let's hand Spike, uh, Spock Spike. <laughs> let's hand him a guitar or a lute or whatever. And that's going to be the way that he like He's going to jam out. Yeah. I don't know. I felt that was a little silly. But... You don't feel humans use music to channel their emotions through expressions? I mean, I guess they do, but I didn't... I, I just feel like that's like a quick fix for something so complex as like the Vulcan half human, half Vulcan com you know, issue well, that he's listen, got going on. There's no counselor. Dr. Mbenga is the closest thing they have to a counselor. Oh, yeah, he and clearly he shouldn't be counseling people. <laughs> no, he's got his own demons <laughs> to fight, as we're gonna get into. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we see a bit of like these pesky inspectors uh, investigating the bridge. This is where we get a fun like clap back from Uhura, who's starting to prove that she has a bit more of a voice in several languages. But 
she's going to use that voice to deliver a message to Spock that essentially, right. while she was trying to like upgrade the communications, she got this blanket distress message from La'an saying, dangerous situation on Kajitar 4, resources of Enterprise critical, anti-Federation threat. Kajitar 4, as Spock is going to reveal to Admiral April, is a dilithium mining planet uh, yes. that previously was sort of just like a nice gas station that that became a real hot commodity during the Federation Klingon War when dilithium became a bit more scarce. Now, essentially, the Federation and uh, and Klingons have agreed to treat it like divorced parents. Yeah. Almost, where they trade off months <laughs> yeah. when they're in charge of the planet, uh, which is why April says, well, listen, it's their turn. So if there truly is a problem, as La'an is saying, we'll take care of it next month. Also, she left us, so it's her Yeah, also, problem. she's on leave. Like, <laughs> like she can't be asking for help. Yeah, so, you know, let, let's put this in, in, in another uh, little tally in the column of, like, the Starfleet brass are just right. completely unemotional, only concerned with greater things, and, you know, constantly putting our main characters uh, in front of obstacles. But Spock is going to look at that obstacle and hop right over it as right. he decides... To come up with a plan that, you know, his soon-to-be BFF in Captain Kirk will do in the Search Force box specifically, mm -hmm. they're going to steal the Enterprise. They're going to steal the Enterprise. And so because they're going through all of these maintenance checks or whatever, they're going to make some sort of artificial simulation of a issue, a war. Yeah, what a, do they a, do? They a like coolant leak. A coolant leak to or basically something. simulate like a, a situation that would require a mass evacuation of right. a ship. Imagine, like, they're essentially pulling the fire alarm, and then yeah. when everyone else runs out of the school, then the school, I don't know, gets up on all fours and flies away. But someone who is not falling for the joke here is the aforementioned Commander Pelia, played by Carol Kane. Honestly, she was amazing. I was so happy that she was here, and she did such a great job, and I'm glad that she's going to be with the show. Yeah, she's the new engineer. She's the Jet Reno, I think, of just, like, yes. fun face who brings a different energy as the chief engineer and will probably I imagine appear from time to time I don't think she was officially given the main cast role so I think much like Jet Reno they're going to kind of like yeah. keep her down in the warp core for half the amount of episodes right and I think that she yeah like you said she brings a different energy than you know the that the rest of the cast is bringing and it's different age range and all of that sort of fun stuff and then I also think that it's she's coming to the table with a lot of knowledge that about the enterprise about systems and engineering and all of that, that, you know, I think will be useful. Yeah. Well, not only that, uh, in terms of Starfleet experience, she was a former professor of the Academy and she got bored and also life experience. Yeah. So I will say I love Carol Kane so much. Again, the unique Me energy too. she brings is so much fun. One of my favorite parts of Scrooge. I yes, think, of course. Her, her, you know, manic fairy, my wisecracking fairy. I will say the accent was a little weird for me. The initial time that we watched this, we watched it without subtitles. That was and hard. I yeah. could not understand about 40% of what she was saying. And, we, and again, I don't know if that's because we always watch everything with subtitles. So we're now trained to like not listen as closely, yeah, but instead of listen. Yeah. But um, no, she, it, it was hard. It was tricky sometimes to understand what she was saying. And I was also thinking like, wait, does she have an accent? Like, why don't we just do the Bill Burr and the Mandalorian thing of just like, yeah, there's mm. a wisecrack in New Yorker. Who's a part of Starfleet. But it turns out the accent is because right. she is not human. She's as not a, human. As a Hura clock, she is, for my record, it's not a memory alpha, a brand new species to Star Trek called Lanthanites, who we'll find out later on, essentially like 
are either humanoid or can masquerade as humans and are essentially immortal. Think like the Q without the meddlesome powers. Yeah, I didn't actually think that they were immortal. I thought that they just like lived a really, really long time. Yeah, I don't know. They're like the Dunedain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they've like also, re- except the exact opposite, right? They haven't like conclaved themselves, right. sequestered themselves from the rest of the world. Instead, she's like out in the open, you right. know, ready, just, oh, uh, you know. Masquerading yeah, as human. Sorry, that was my ancestor that looks completely like me. Yeah, uh, like a vampire or something. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm uh, Pelia the 17th or something like that. Right. So we, I don't, we don't have a ton of information on her and her species, but I did think it was interesting. Her, you know, you get the typical nobody wants to live forever because it's lonely, because yeah. you see everyone you love die, because, you know, you see like the changes of the world, you become whatever. No, she's just bored. Yeah, she's like, oh, no, that that would be the case for literally anybody who has a heart. No, yeah. I'm just bored out I'm of my mind. I'm bored. Like, I cannot stay at Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, and we see that in this moment as, like, she is not only going to call them out on their shit of, like, okay, you're not that smooth. I know you faked the coolant leak. But she also walks them through how, how, to, to, how yeah. to steal the Enterprise. Yeah, she's like, let's just do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and so they are going to be able to disengage from Starbase 1. They, uh, you know, ghost the Admiral when he tries to hail them. And so they are going to take off, but not before doing a bit of banter as to figure out what Spock's thing is, which turns out to be, I would like the ship to go now, which feels like if you ask ChatGPT to write like a Star Trek sign off line, it would be that. Yeah. I also hate ChatGPT. Why do you hate ChatGPT? <laughs> uh, it's causing a lot of problems with me at work. I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, listen, Star Trek has taught us many times not to trust AI. Yeah, so I think that's exactly. The Trekkie in you. <laughs> Well, let's go to the aforementioned Kajitar 4. What a name. It's, it's a fantastic name, and it's a fantastic... Kajitar sounds like a kind of oh, curry. Pokemon? No, I was going to say like a kind of curry. But... Oh, that sounds delicious. And what's also delicious, Angela, the OG Klingon designs are back. Yes, I was happy to see this. I, I think that that was probably one of our biggest... I don't want to say gripes with uh, Discovery Season 1, but... It's definitely one of the most, I would say... Confusing things. Yeah, something you had to get used to was, like, looking at, you know... Also, the, what was the, the bald, intent? sharp-toothed, uh, you know, versions of the Klingons with the, yeah. the super-duper font in the subtitles and everything like that. And no. we never got... Ne- like I mean, we did, but, like, right when it started, there was no explanation. So it was like, this was nice to just feel like, okay... These are Klingons. Yep, we're back to the meatloaf, to the forehead folds, to the long hair, to the beard. And we have another familiar face in La'an. She back. She back, and she's drinking Klingons under the table. Yes. And she's going to eyeball that her former crew is back. And so Mm -hmm. she is going to now verbalize more as to what's going on, what the distress signal was about. That basically there is this new syndicate in charge, which is the titular Broken Circle. We haven't only mentioned once, but that technically is what the title of the episode is referring to. And so it seems like this new syndicate, which is actually Klingon and Federation ex-soldiers working together across the aisle to essentially restart the war for their own benefit. To say, Yeah, it's confusing. Well, it's a little bit like war profiteering. It's them saying, hey... We're the Lockheed Martin right now. Let's restart the war between the Federation and the Klingons. Right. Stage some sort of 
mass terrorist attack, declare it an act of war, and that way dilithium will become a hot commodity again and will make loads and loads of, of you know, uh, of, of latinum. Right. And it's just, that's another, it's another weird part of Star Trek where sometimes things have value and some, like, sometimes money matters, but also sometimes not. And so, yeah, I think that um, this was an interesting plot point for me. I was like, ah, maybe this is where it lost me a little bit. Well, let's talk about losing some people. Our crew splits up yes. as our two meds in Mbenga and Chapel are going to go tend to, you know, some of the poor people on this planet who, like, got affected by a random photon torpedo blowing up in the yeah. process of them crafting these weapons. And everyone else is going to do a little bit of recon, looking in on one of La'an's meetings with her buyers. Uh, oh, I miss La'an so much. She's great. She is so great. She's so badass. But she also has, like, a bit of a comic streak to her and how dry she is. Yeah. Almost like Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love her pulling out uh what'd she say like a an antimatter detonation switch to threaten and they were like is that real and she's like no not at all yeah exactly <laughs> if you just say a bunch of big words in the star trek universe people are most likely to believe you especially with uh with klingons too i feel like they are very much so uh like war interested but yeah. also at the same time they don't they don't want to die so they're just gonna be like bye i don't know one klingon told me it is a good day to die so maybe it just wasn't that good day for that klingon and that's yeah, why he, he wasn't relented. into it <laughs> well mbenga and chapel are going to be a pe people of interest to klingons as well as they picked up on the fact that like hey these two randos showed up with a bunch of starfleet medical technology and are just healing a bunch of people something's up and they find that something's up with the Klingons as well as they get brought inside this like very deep cave that looks surprisingly metallic. And this is where we find out some information that both of them had previously served in the Federation Klingon War. And this is where we also find out very soon that Mbenga certainly has some ghosts that are still lingering around him, some demons that he needs to fight. Right now, he's going to fight a bunch of Klingons as, you know, he is not particularly happy about the idea of the war restarting. Right. So he's going to essentially win the battle to hopefully lose the war. Right, exactly. And so he goes aggro. So he goes aggro. She goes aggro. Do we know exactly like... No, I'm guessing thinking? adrenaline. I, I, di I, didn't, I didn't jot down... I don't anything know, maybe specific it was, maybe it was Vulcan blood it was green maybe they just did that to like get imbued with the strength of Vulcans I'm not sure I don't know but it was weird and I was like okay well and he, you could tell he's done it before like is he is he somebody who like is he like a, a addict well, I like mean, well not an addict but I think the thing is a right former like, recovering addict. when he's talking to the Klingon that captured him he talks about serving on like the moon yes. of Jagal and yeah. he's like nobody would have made it out there alive and he very gravely talks about there was so much blood yeah. in the air that the rain turned red. Yeah, he seems like he's been like impacted very heavily by war and yeah. really doesn't want to be part of that. But I think it also means that he was adept enough in his martial arts skills, perhaps, that he was yes. able to like survive anything that may have come his way where others couldn't. Right. And so they're just going to, again, spend the next part of the act just fighting their way through literally an entire ship of Klingons. Yeah. Just the two of them. <laughs> it is so ridiculously John Wick that I I love it, even if at the same time it does kind of feel like even though they are moving, the plot isn't. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. 
Well, at least I was waiting for someone to do the old Kirk, like, uh, double fist over the back, but unfortunately we didn't get that move thrown in there. It hasn't been brought in yet, I suppose, so we're just waiting for that piece of, you know, fight-based technology to get brought into the lexicon. Mm -hmm. But for right now, they're going to fight their way through the ship. They're going to be able to, like, lock themselves into an airlock away from the Klingons that were chasing them to send out a signal to the Enterprise as they find that things are tilting and that what they are on board this entire time was a Federation starship. Right, that they've been building. Right, that they sort of commandeered and have been using as this decoy. The plan, as Spock discerns, is that this ship is planning to fly out there, attack this Klingon battlecruiser that just warped in, and say, uh-oh, the Federation attacked the Klingons, even though it was an inside job. Oh boy, I guess that means we have to restart the war again. Dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. Yeah, and then there's all this stuff with the ion burns and all of that. But um, anyway, I was just looking it up. Mabenga produces a stimulant from his med kit. Okay, so it's just, I mean, listen, medical technology in the 24th century is just like so good that it would make sense that you could just take things to make you go aggro at any point in time. Yeah, so I was right. It was just like, a, here you go, like, yeah. a little upper. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit of an upper, exactly. Let's, let's do some quick poppers before we start popping some heads off. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, uh, so now they're they're in this issue. Right, so the big issue for Spock specifically is, okay, here is this false flagship that if it makes yeah. it to the Klingon battlecruiser, is going to potentially restart this war. Right, because they'll think it's Federation. But there are two of your crew members and friends, and Nurse Chapel in particular, that is aboard. Now listen, if it was like, I don't know, Mbenga and uh, the transporter chief, I think Spock would be like, that's okay, fire on him right now. But I do think that, again, it's a little bit of like heart versus brain, and we get this entire sequence where... They get pretty dang close yes. to the line before <laughs> Spock finally pulls the trigger and fires the torpedoes to blow up the ship as was initially intended. Right. And I don't, I mean, I, like you said, it, there maybe was, they were trying to pull at the heartstrings with Chapel, but I don't think that he would have done it. I think he would have done it regardless of who was on the ship. Well, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I know. So it took him a long time to weigh that. <laughs> yeah, again, it's a long time until Star Trek 2. Maybe this is how he learned yes, that the needs exactly. of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Perhaps. Meanwhile, though, we are going to get our characters out of there. I know that we sometimes kill off our crew members on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. R.I.P. Hammer will never forget you. But <laughs> at the same time, we're not going to kill off two medical officers no. in the very first episode. And Chapel, like we also like, Nurse Chapel clearly is a large character. She, at the beginning of the episode, tells um, tells Mabenga that she's going to be taking maybe an assignment on Vulcan. Like yeah. they, they set up a lot of stuff. Like she's not going anywhere. Though maybe that could have been like the two days to retirement oh, thing maybe. in retrospective. Like I was going to go to Vulcan <laughs> to be with you. Right, maybe. Though she couldn't say that through her frozen lips. And the reason why they're frozen is because they come up with this pretty damn cockamamie scheme. Yes. <laughs> because they don't have any EV suits, right? They have like yeah. a beacon and a jetpack. So they're just going to throw themselves out yeah, wild. into the cold-ass vacuum And just space. hope that they get picked up by the Enterprise. Before they die. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes pretty dang close to yeah. them not making it. Yeah, I mean, good on them. I mean, I love this exchange of dialogue where Chapel, you know, they're suiting up or lack thereof. And she says, I can't believe this is how we're going to die. And Mbinka says, we've gotten out of worse. So she's like, no, we haven't. No, no, we haven't. We are literally purposely putting ourselves in space yeah. with nothing 
in the hopes that maybe we won't freeze to death. Yes, exactly. Uh, or asphyxiate, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, we'll only pass out after 15 seconds. Yeah, right. He's got that like very technical doctor view of it. But she's just like, this is uh, really not great. Well, luckily, it turns out really great. As yes. Vega's uh, gamble is going to pay off here. They are going to get picked up before they completely flatline. It looks a little dicey for Nurse Chapel for a hot second. But again, the power of love is able to have Spock bring her right. back to life with a nice little quip as well. Why wow, you gotta be so rough? <laughs> Again, Stupid. on the nose. Yeah. Here's another really fun display from Spock as the captain of the battle cruiser is going to hail them, basically being like, What the hell, guys? What was that? Why did one Federation ship destroy another ship? Right. <laughs> He's going to immediately accuse them of, like, Oh, you had this big plan to fire on us. And Spock is fantastically logically, you know, yes, finally digging able to... through all the plot holes, right? Being like, why would we fire and destroy our own ship? He's like, well, clearly you were covering your own tracks. And Spock says, yeah, but you didn't detect us before we showed up. Why didn't we just fire upon you? But of course, all good things are salved over with blood wine. And Spock is not only going to prove himself a good, you know, master of words and logic, but also able to, you know, get in there, get dranky drank with the Klingons as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And and then have a little bit of a hangover the next day. I love, there was this one shot where, uh, you know, La'an, I think, says goodbye to the little girl that she had been yes. looking for with her parents this entire time. And she asks, oh, where will you go? And she looks over and it's Spock hanging out with a bunch of Klingons. And Spock just goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, as if Spock is attempting to bro down with the Klingons. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's just like, it's funny to watch for sure. Yeah, if I recall correctly, right? Like, don't Vulcans have, I'm sure, a higher amount of tolerance Yeah, for Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. But I think also, like, it wouldn't matter how much alcohol he would have. He would never be able to bro down with anyone. <laughs> yeah, though, in this moment, I guess he's like, just emotional enough because yes. the Klingons are so passionate yeah. that I do think that... I think they find him funny yeah, regardless. Yeah, I think it's, it's that guy that you find at the bar, right? Like, yes. oh my God, this guy is so weird, but we love him. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's such a weirdo. He's so logical. Like, Yeah, and then you pick him up and like then the entire night it turns out like, wait, he could tie a, ch a cherry stem with his tongue? This right. guy's wild. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be on their Instagram story. At least we, uh, we think so because he certainly is nursing a blood wine hangover the next day while he's being yelled at by dad, not by Sarek, by uh, by April. Do you think we're going to see Sarek in this series? I don't know. Maybe. Because we saw there's the Discovery version of Sarek. I wonder if they'll bring yeah. him back. Uh, but April is, of course, going to chew him out, right? Like, you drove the car out of the house right. without my permission. Right. You nearly restarted a war. And Spock basically responds, but I didn't. I stopped this problem before <laughs> yeah. it was going to start. And so April is going to let him off with a warning. And, he says, don't ever do this again. Yeah, let him off with a warning and a hangover. But right. he is not comatose enough to, again, you know, long for Nurse Chapel as she's sleeping. And he's so overcome by his emotions that he has, he has to go, to go play his lute. And that's not a euphemism for something. <laughs> no, he literally is playing the lute. <laughs> now imagine, again, I know this is on Paramount Plus where they can say whatever the hell they want, but that would be... Wow, that'd be like a Lower Decks thing, right? That if would be like, a Lower Decks I'm going to go play my loot in a manner of speaking. But it turns out that April perhaps has bigger fish to fry, yes. bigger gormaganders to fry. As it turns out, partially the reason he let Spock off easy is because he, he said... He just doesn't want to deal with that. <laughs> he said, well, listen, I'm glad that they stymied this because we could have had a war on two fronts as 
in the montage that began the episode, we saw this one shot of, like, April looking worryingly at a map. Pike is going to say that, like, something's going on with the brass. They're acting differently, but I don't understand what it is. We finally find out what it is spotted on the map is a Gorn. More Gorn! Yeah, the Gorn. (laughs) The Gorn be back! The Gorn are apparently the big bad of Star Trek. Which is wild. It's just really funny to think about the Gorn being, like, a legitimate villain. (laughs) I cannot agree more, because you need to think about this. Even if you're not a diehard Trekkie, you have seen the TOS versions of yeah. the Gorn. Is the infamous scene that I was referencing before. Like a little dinosaur Kirk, man. Yeah, fighting a person in this terrible dinosaur suit in the um on on the Vasquez rocks. Like that. Right, exactly. The, the most low budget thing you've ever seen. But it's also like the Gorn are not they're not like systematic. There's no like there's no context in TOS. Like you don't get all of this backstory that we then get in strange new worlds about them like taking over planets and making nests in humans and saving children for food for their young and like like being surprisingly tactful right i would say like laon says stuff about you know leaving one behind and stranding them as a warning sign exactly like Like you would never have guessed that yeah for sure like the machiavellian aspects of the gorn certainly hadn't been talked about before strange new worlds so like Good on them for making them the big bads, almost in the way the pack leads were done in a comical fashion in exactly. Lower Decks. But it is so wild to me that, yes, we had a couple of Gorn episodes, and I thought, okay, this is just based around the Laon character who has this tragic backstory around them. Yeah, I just thought that was going to be it, but yeah, nope. I didn't expect that, okay, the Gorn really are going to be the ones that we're sort of mounting an offense against for the time being. Look, for me, it beats the Klingons or the Romulans or the Borg or the changelings and the umpteenth times that we use them. So yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I'm happy to have them try something. It's just funny as it keeps progressing. Oh yeah, exactly. So, and perhaps it's a display of like what strange new worlds can do, right? Which is like taking some of the lovingly schlockier aspects of uh, this sixties TV show and like actually making it into legitimate television. So I imagine that's not something we're going to follow up on immediately, but this is certainly, I think, going to be something that is a big recurring plot point throughout the season. And I would not be surprised in the least if after nine more weeks of this, our final episode is like some sort of big battle between the Enterprise and like the big Gorn ship. Maybe we'll meet the Gorn Queen. You think there's a Gorn Queen? Maybe. I hope so. I hope they're suspended from the ceiling just like the Boar Queen. All queens must be suspended from the ceiling. Well, my queen, <laughs> Angela. Please don't suspend me from the ceiling. All right, well, I'll uh, unscrew the hooks then. Anything else you want to talk uh, about? Any loose screws for you in terms of the broken circle before we take off to probably a completely different story next week? Yeah, I hope next week is a little more fun. I'll be honest. I think it will be. I need a, I need some quips. I need some jokey jokes. I yeah, need... I, I heard some rumblings. Um, The first like half of the season has been out to reviewers, which obviously there has been a lot of praise behind it. And I know that I believe there was uh, a premiere that was done at some part in the country, either on the East Coast or the West Coast. And I think the first two episodes were screened and they said that episode two in particular uh, has the potential to be an all timer. So we'll be back next week. Angela and I just will still be away. So Angela... If you'll have me, I'd lo- I would love for you to return and talk Strange New Worlds once more. Um, okay. You could be the Pelia. You could stay here. Hopefully, though, it's the exact opposite and you're not bored by sitting here yes, talking to me hope- about it. I'm not bored now. I meant during the episode, but yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week talking, what's it called? Ad Astra Per Aspera. 
get out your Latin dictionary or your Ohuro cardboard cutout. I just saw that, by the way. I got an email from CBS today about new things in the CBS store, and one of them is an Uhura cutout. If you Love it. <laughs> uh, and speaking of it, actually, there was a really beautiful send-off to end the episode. It was a dedication to, of course, the late Nichelle Nichols, who originated the character of Uhura, who died between season one and season two. For Nichelle, who was first through the door and showed us the stars, hailing frequencies forever open. Now, we are going to close our own hailing frequencies until next week. Again, make sure you're subscribed to our Star Trek only feed, postshowrecaps.com slash Star Trek. And be sure to let us know your thoughts about Strange New Worlds, both season one and the beginning of season two, on the internet, on our Posho Recaps patron discord, where you can get this and all other podcasts ad-free. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Strange New Worlds. Angela, thank you. As per usual, this was a lovely time. Oh my gosh, of course. Anytime. I'm happy we were able to mine as much out of this episode as the Klingons and Federation were out of Kajitar 4. Next week, we're covering episode two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two. Until then, I would like the pod to go now. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.